0: I am John, and with me is Jack, and this is. How's it going, eh? And this is Set the Table, episode 20 for September 24th. Um, we're here to talk about tabletop role playing games, and I just want to get right into it, because I want to start with uh, a brief, not recap, but a mention, a nod to you, and the first session that we had of the latest chapter of our 7C adventure, which is called What? Are you calling uh, it? I
1: don't. I don't have a good title for it yet because okay. I'm not no worries. writing it. So it, it was race to the the castle of the witch, and I'm changing. I
0: I don't like that. So I'm, no, I'm that's not. Change. It's not a race. So
1: no, it it turned out not to be a race. So which I
0: I I so I wanted to mention it just because I I am enjoying it tremendously so far. Um, and that first session we had, we didn't do a whole lot. We just sort of got the hook and we started making our way there. And we got a little information about sort of our end destination, um, but I got to introduce my new character, who is Abit Hamish Mortimer, and uh, it I, he debuted excellently. The adventure started brilliantly, and I think by the end of that, everyone was have had had quite a good time.
1: And and we transitioned your old character out. Um, pretty effectively too
0: yes we did which was kind of on the spot because we didn't get to chat ahead of time do we have transitioning characters out as a future idea because that could yep we do we do yep it's on the list Um, list. um, so we'll talk about that more in the future but that yeah no we we came up with that pretty on the fly um and it worked out very very well
1: well you you were threatening a very powerful sorte strega and she uh she was already feeling pretty sad about um, her life and and the misery she's caused the people around her. So she wanted to try and do something kind yep. instead of you know pulling a thread on her dress and sending you crashing into the crashing through a window to your death. <laughs> it was it was definitely a kind of a I need to stop being such a horrible witch. I'm gonna give this guy something that he will will distract him in a way that's beneficial for him
0: it was very good um, and I appreciate the flexibility um,
1: well that that whole session the first half hour of that session was a retcon from the end of the previous session
0: right because right. Was... we well we've been sort of I don't know you didn't have any prep time between the end of chapter two and chapter three, so we kind of Uh, sprung it on you but you didn't have the time that
1: was coming and and i i have some outline i i have an outline i have a plot i have a villain right and it's seventh c it's not fifth edition right so it needs to be fluid because um you guys still really haven't kind of embraced the whole i want to take the narrative like i've got six raises i'm taking over the narrative for a little bit um but you're getting better at stuff like that. So. Yeah,
0: I do. Sometimes I did this last session with Joseph. This last for sure. time, you
1: did absolutely.
0: It's a we- it's a weird switch from Five E because you don't, you're not. You, there's no narrative control because it is constantly shared, but, I guess narrative control is handled differently. See, narrative control could be a whole other episode too.
1: Sure, but no, in in Five E, the DM run is is the narrative and the well, players react to what is happening, right?
0: Some, or the sometimes.
1: module is the narrative and the DM reads the module and then the players react.
0: I I suppose at yes, at the baseline you're right. But as the DM, like I like to weave a lot of my players' story into it so that the decisions they make and their backstories fit into the story that I am also trying to tell. But sure. that's it's a lot of it's writing and time and consideration, so um speaking of all of that oh go ahead no go ahead no go ahead i was just going to jump over to, to 5e sure jump to 5e sure so so speaking of time and consideration uh i gave some to my party um they're doing quite well uh they had a couple of days of rest some several days of travel uh retrieved one or some of one character's uh stashed belongings that as part of their backstory they had these caches placed around the world and they may travel back to them if they need them and now that he's traveling with the party he's like hey I got some stuff that maybe you guys could use and so that was pretty good Um, and made their way to the Ulysses Dwarf Mound which is a Dwarven capital in my world although I think I'm just gonna call it the Ulysses Mound now um, where they met up with a character from Connie the Bard's backstory uh, who I've talked about before and uh, we ended our session there and they are there at the Dwarf Mound to investigate a mark on a map that was given as a gift to the warlock Athorion from his patron. And the mark indicates something that the party is looking for, but they don't know what it is yet. Um, and I do, of course, but uh, it should be pretty good. Um, I don't know if I'll end up talking about that more later. I, I think I might, but we'll, we'll we'll double back when it's time. Uh, what about you? Did Dolria meet her end?
1: So dalrea did not meet her end yet um, <laughs> she just
0: can't there's no end she, to her madness
1: it, it's yeah so so we're kind of in a countdown i i i think uh I think our d m is kind of done with us um, <laughs> we are we are counting down we we the the prison guards that we've the guards that we've been working for um want us to go into the slave quarter there's a a slave rebellion in the offing and the guards want us to help put it down um and we would really rather put the guards down Mm. um and so we've made a deal with the drow who live under the city uh we've we've not poisoned the slaves water supply to weaken them for the coming combat so the guards are gonna think they're fighting. Oh, this is gonna be a piece of cake! And all of a sudden, whoa! These slaves aren't sick or, or weak at all. Um, and Blomp. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's a it is yet another double cross. My my characters seem to love double crossing
0: people, party it
1: feels members. It's like a
0: quadruple a cross at this game. point.
1: It's a yeah. Well, that was. I, I'm I'm I might do another double cross <laughs> I have decided um, I'd really like to so I mean Dalrea the character has kind of found some place she wants to be she thinks she can be comfortable um, in the underground world she just needs to get away from um, the guards and the and the the city and some of her party members
0: hmm you have to so, get her an exit.
1: I I do. The problem is, I just I don't want to play. Bring another. We're so close to the end of this campaign, right? Um, our our group, the DM duties shift from player to player to from person to person to person. Mm. Um, and it's it's we're getting very close to the time of the shift. So,
0: are you are you continuing with Five E or do you swap systems when you swap DMs?
1: No, uh, well, so I'm going to. There's going to be a lag uh, between when the current DM is done and the new DM picks up. Mm -hmm. And in the lag, we are going to run the painter and the pirate.
0: Ooh, nice. You'll have to let us know how that goes. I will.
1: And it'll be interesting to see how a different group with a different makeup uh, runs that campaign. Very much so. But um, I, I've only committed. I've, they 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 said they probably only have time for the first, uh, and we'll see how that
0: goes. Right? Sure. Right. We'll we'll see. I mean, if... it could stand as a standalone, right? You don't have to. Oh, totally, totally. You just you know the,
1: um,
0: you just arena assume Marina dead, right? Is dead, or you just
1: well, you know? I don't know if
0: I should be saying that. Is that that's a spoiler? That's
1: okay. It's not. I mean, it it, it is kind of a spoiler, but it's it's fine, because we've been talking about the campaign in each episode, so a, l- a little bit, yeah, for sure a little bit. yeah,
0: yep. all right. well, <clears throat> so last time we uh, we spent a while talking about the five minute work day, um, and we assuaged some of your disdain for it um, with some good insight bit. and some some clever GM solutions. Um, and I think we had some pretty great discussion about how, as the GM, you can, weave your encounters and stories and settings to help avoid your players feeling uh like trapped by their resources or having your mid-maxers like gain too much leeway mechanically um so it was it was really great and if you as a gm are having any issue managing your long and short rests uh particularly in your 5e games i i highly recommend episode 19 um so this week for the first time since i had don't think I introduced it at the top of the show. Uh, we're talking about uh, some fluffy stuff in Appendix N and inspiration for our games. And so we've talked about Appendix N on the show a little bit before. It's come up several times. Um, we we know that it is an appendix from the AD&D uh, Dungeon Master's Guide um, it is. Yep. that is essentially a list of of the books that inspired Gary Gygax to create Dungeons & Dragons. Um, And I will put two links in the show notes, so if you are listening via um, Apple Podcasts or on YouTube, those should be available to you in the descriptions. Uh, The first is going to be the blurb taken from the dungeon, the the nineteen seventy nine AD and D DMG. Um, the next is going to be a list on Goodreads of sixty six of the books from the list um, that that have. I, I don't know if you're familiar with Goodreads, but Goodreads is like a, a very well known book review site, I guess. So there's like mm-hmm. ratings and discussions, and um, so we'll, oh, I'll I'll yeah. throw that on there too.
1: I'm I'm a huge fan of Goodreads.
0: Yeah. So on the on the the list for Appendix N, this is the blurb that they have quote in the 1979 publication of the AD&D DMG. The last entry before the glossary is Appendix N, in which Gary Gygax lists the fantasy and sci-fi novels that inspired his work on the game. This oft-ignored bibliography has received renewed attention in recent years. It is, in fact, one of the foundations on which fantasy role-playing was built which is a quote from the Dungeon Crawl Classics RPG book from 2012. So
1: And and there is, so we're going to talk about Appendix N as part of our podcast. There is an actual podcast called the Appendix N Book
0: Club. Yes, there is. I should throw a link to them in there as well, because I and, need to start and, listening and to that. That's,
1: that, whole, that whole podcast is nothing but discussion of Appendix N literature.
0: Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's some cool stuff. So those three links will be in the descriptions if you want to check any of that stuff out anymore. Um, so I have just started. Well, not just started. I'm like two thirds of the way through my first Appendix N book, which is the first book in the Fafford and Grey Mouser series from Fritz Lieber, Swords you've, and Deviltry.
1: You've read uh, more than that. You've read the. Ho- I read the Hobbit to you when you were a child.
0: Yes, I've read the Hobbit. Sorry, I that I guess I. I inappropriately assume that The Hobbit is a given. um, Oh, okay. Which I shouldn't. You're right. So I've read two. I've read The Hobbit, and I am most of the way through Swords and Deviltry. And I think that once you read one of the books on this list, it makes sense. And it's, I don't know, it's like brain magic is how I've described it in the notes. Like, oh, this makes total and complete sense why things are the way they are in D&D, and... This is awesome inspiration for me to add things like this to my game. It just clicks right away.
1: So I, I obviously have a different um, experience with Appendix N because AD&D was my first fantasy roleplay game, right? And I have that. I actually have that book, the Advanced Dungeons and Dragons Dungeon Master's Guide. Yes, the first fantasy role play game book that you, you actually got to look at was the Dungeon Master's Guide. Um, and that was the first game that I played. I played that back in the 80s, and I started reading things like The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings and the Fafhrd and the Great Mouser series before I started playing fantasy role-play role play games. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, I, I read the stories for what they were just stories. And, and when you look at appendix and when all those books are published before dungeons and dragons became a thing and there's, there's a difference, right? I know you've read um, a lot of R.A. Salvatore legend of Drizzt stuff
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, as have I. And I've, I've loved Lisa Smedman's um, the lady penitent series and the War of the Spider Queen series, uh, which
0: has a number of different authors. You're just um, very into Drow culture. Everybody I, who I listens to drow. the show knows. <laughs> yes.
1: yes, but but those books were written after, okay, mm. um, after the G1 D1 Q1s D D. I'm sorry, the G1 through three, D1 through three, Q1 modules written by Gary Gygax, detailing what is a drow elf and, and what is the underdark. Right. Um, so you can see, like, Drist is a ranger, and he follows the D&D player's handbook mechanics for a ranger. Um, Brie multi-classes, right? I mean, if you read the stories and you've played the game, you can see what's happening in... Um, in the fiction it maps directly back to the rules Mm -hmm.
0: i have the um the forgotten realms campaign guide which has stat blocks for drist and he's a in i think it uses five uh 3.5 and he's a, a ranger i think it's like 13 ranger five or six fighter and one or two barbarian actually wow yeah, I don't know. Just just an interesting thing. That's the Forgotten Realms campaign guide if anyone wants to check that out.
1: But see they're statted, right? They're are and and there's there's no stats for Fafford and there there were no there are stats now for Fafford and the Grey Mouse. Right <laughs> yeah, they've
0: gotta be, right?
1: Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh DCC Lankmar has actually three stat blocks for um Whenever you want to bring, if you as the GM want to bring them into the game, you can bring them in as the young guys right after the Ilma and Lankmar story, or middle-aged, or after they've retired on the Rhyme Isle. Spoiler alert, right? Um,
0: Uh, Well, I don't even know what the Rhyme Isles are, so it's not that big of a spoiler.
1: um, But uh, that's the... That's so cool. but they are statted, right? But they weren't back then. Like when I was, and, and you've heard me tell this story at Gen Con when I was, you know, nine years old, 10 years old, sitting on the steps of the Kellogg Hubbard public library in Montpelier with my very first, you know, um, Fafford and the Gray Mouser book, Mm -hmm. uh, or the Hobbit or, you know, I've I've read a number of these, Call of Cthulhu and H.P. Lovecraft. Um, there you know, I didn't. There was no game. There was nothing to play. This was just a really cool story about these two guys that did these amazing things. Um, so it's it's different. It's weird for me, I guess, when I look at some of the like. So right now I'm in the middle of uh, crashing through the Gotrek and Felix uh, omnibuses. Uh, which is set in the Warhammer fantasy world. But again, these were published after D&D. Right. Now, they map much more closely to the Warhammer um, miniature combat game, right? Mm-hmm. GoTrek is... Well, now, right? Well, and, and they were written as a part of that, right? So... So the game existed before GoTrek and Felix existed. I'm, I'm, I'm. I think I, I can Google that while I'm talking. Um, but um, the, um, but the 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 cool thing about Appendix N is it was before. It came before D and D, and it's not influenced by D and D.
0: Right. Yeah,
1: ninety nine. So so the first uh, book of Go Trek and Felix was written, published in 1999.
0: Hmm.
1: Right, what is that, 20-some-odd years after D&D? Math in public. I hate math in public.
0: Yeah, thereabouts, right? Because it was early 70s. 74. Yep. So, Yeah, I don't know, it's interesting. I'm sure that it is more interesting for you to be able to have read that stuff and watch it turn into a game than for me... ...to have the game and then go back and read it... ...and and already have the, the results of what that game did already complete. Which is interesting, because as we're talking about like inspiration... ...even though the game was inspired by those things... ...I am now playing the game that was inspired by those things... ...and I am inspired by both the game and those things... And so I, I feel like whatever continues down the pipe is just going to keep getting better and better. Um, oh, yeah, no,
1: I, I'm, I'm, I'm no, in no way, shape, or form saying that um, Fritz Lieber's stories are better and more compelling than Bob Salvatore's because Fritz Lieber, Lieber wrote back in the 70, 60s and 70s. I'm not saying that at all. I think no, no, of course. both auth- authors are absolutely brilliant. Um, and their stories are compelling and wonderful, and their characters are um, also. I'm trying to find a different word than compelling because I would just they draw they <laughs> you in; you care about them.
0: They're really compelling, uh, huh? They're, yeah, they're
1: really compelling. compelling Let's let's find a synonym for the word compel. All right, um, but
0: persuaded.
1: It's it's um it's just yeah the and you you look through this. Appendix N, and, and I've got the Goodreads page up right. Yep. Um, it's not all fantasy. Well, no. Some of it's
0: sci-fi and some of it's Science fiction. fiction and...
1: and and like the Barsoom series from Edgar Rice Burroughs is that's your John Carter of Mars. Um, yes,
0: you made me watch that movie once. <laughs> yes.
1: And you should watch. You should read the books because the books are better. But you know, um, naturally, John Carter. Is uh, an American from the 1870s, right? He's a he's in the the cowboy West. He's a gold prospector who um, hides in a cave and finds a transdimensional uh, portal, and that takes him to Mars. And of course, this was written before we understood what the composition of the atmosphere on Mars was. So, Edgar Rice Burroughs took a little bit of literary Liberty and Mars has a breathable atmosphere. Um, curiously enough, he did note that the gravity would be less, and that John Carter would be stronger because he grew up on Earth. Which is int- it's, it's neat that he inc- incorporated that bit of science into the into the book. But right, um, it is um, it is good. I mean, that's that's sci-fi. Victorian Jules Verne um, isn't on this list, but but sh- probably it should could, be. Could be, yeah. Could be. Um, but yeah, no, and it's, it's there's 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 no bad, I don't think there's a bad book on this list. Oh, probably not. Probably right. not. And I'm well, to I haven't read him, it, so. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a fantasy series that I read that I didn't like. And I'm coming I'm I'm struggling to find one. But that's... Those are my preferences, right? If I was reading Histories of Baseball, I probably wouldn't like any of them.
0: <laughs> so it, so we're talking about Appendix N in part because it was Gary Gygax's influence for Dungeons and & Dragons. And we're talking about it in part because we're talking about inspiration. Um, and so it even if you're not a huge reader... Even if you're not a and D fan and you play other systems, I think that the appendix N stuff is still worthwhile to look at, especially if you're a uh, a fledgling. Up to, I mean, even like a, if you, you consider yourself an intermediate level DM, um, it's it's always good to have just more stuff in your brain to pull from. And so I'm I have have said it, and I'm working my way through uh, Swords and Deviltry, and for me, it's just got some tremendous writing, very vivid, intense descriptions of settings and events and actions, and there's some really nice thinking or writing about the setting and tone that I really like and that I plan to draw some encounter and world building inspiration from. Um, so. I'm super biased, but if you're gonna start on the list, read the Hobbit and then start with Fritz Lieber's stuff um, and so I wrote in the so, notes oh, go ahead
1: so i'm gonna I'm gonna jump in there and say, um, I, the hobbit's probably not bad to start with. I would say look at the list and Think about the type of adventure, like if you want to do a horror campaign, if you're looking for horror inspiration, start with The Call of Cthulhu and other weird stories.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah, I guess I'm thinking, I guess I'm you're... thinking in a much broader term, like if you're a 12 year old trying to get into d d like go read The Hobbit. But Go read The Hobbit, right. No, or, you... Or, or you can watch the movie. No, go read read the book first or Read watch or watch the uh, the 77 animated one cuz that one's oh, really the
1: good, the bass cartoon one.
0: Yeah. I know it's not as stuck to the books as the new ones are because it's much shorter and it was older, you're, but
1: You just have you're you're emotionally connected to that movie because your parents made you watch it. Yes. I also like the songs. <laughs> yes, the mu- the music is much better in the cartoon than in the 3 series totally and and I I'm not I'm not a fan of the three movie hobbit series I mean I I like seeing Arthur Dent as Bilbo Baggins that actor was Arthur Dent in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy movie yeah um he's also Martin in the case version of the office he's he is the uh he's the character that Jim, Jim Halpert Jim, is right based on. Yeah. yeah he's the british well Jim is the American, American, Martin Freeman, Martin Freeman. Um, he's also in, um, where else did I see him? He's been around a lot lately uh, or, or I've noticed him more, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Sherlock. He's, he's, he is, um,
0: Watson. he plays Watson. Yep. Yep. That's a great series. Yep. So I, I have written and I really liked this. What I think inspiration is, and I wanted to share, that I think that inspiration is a feeling of creativity struck from the natural generosity, birthed from the creativity of others. And I know it's, I know it's a little bit, uh, whatever. You're getting kind of wordy. A little (laughs) bit, right? It's, it's, it's a little philosophical but like inspiration is not something that you can like go catch with a net right like it's a feeling so it's gonna get a little hippy dippy um but that's that's sort of what i think of it um and it it matters because inspiration is the beginning of creativity and for anyone who's homebrew and i have mentioned it on the show before i homebrew a lot almost exclusively um and that's i i don't i I absolutely I can I shouldn't, but I will say with a incredibly high degree of certainty that I would not be the quality of DIM that I am if I hadn't had all of the sources of inspiration that I, I did. So that's my piece. Okay. Um what what does what does inspiration mean for you? And like, what do you so, what do you do with it? Because you are far more experienced than I. You have met more likely more you know moments of inspiration. Um, what so what, what is it? What does it mean to you? Why do you care?
1: I why what, what's inspira That's a good question. Um, in fact, I didn't I didn't want to. I tried not to answer these questions so it'd be more off the cuff. Um, when you sent me the show notes, it's like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and do these extemporaneously so I'll get better results so <laughs>
0: better, better um, but longer but it, it's better, okay it is well, it it is thinky yeah
1: this this is a thinky thing so i think for for me inspiration is that aha moment that something in my head clicks and i want to see something or i want to do something or i want to write about something it's that it's that moment um
0: Right when it's, creation begins.
1: Right when, yeah. And it's, 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 it's instant and it's, uh, sometimes it's not good. Um, I'll be the first to admit <laughs> yep. that uh, sometimes I get inspired and it's like, oh, this would be really cool. And, and five more seconds with a pencil on a piece of paper and it's like, oh, that's terrible. Or
0: even, even better when you write it down on like, I do sticky notes, so I'll jot an idea on a sticky note and then look at it the next morning and be like, oh, that's nothing. <laughs> Whoops.
1: So why why does inspiration matter? Did you answer that already?
0: Yeah, it, it's because it's that, it is that instant of creation. And so if you, especially if you're a home brewer, you have to have, you don't have to, but it, Tremendously helps to have that moment where you go, "Oh, I'm gonna make it's it's gonna be a forest city, and I'm gonna call it Everdale or Everglade. Yeah, Everglade, and it's gonna be this brilliant elvish city high up in the tree. It's that. As soon as you start that, that's where adventure unfolds, right? Inspiration is the beginning of every module. It's the beginning of every one of the books on Appendix N. It's the beginning of every D and D." book that has ever been published started with somebody sitting down with a pencil or a pen or a, a typewriter or a computer and, and starting to spill their creativity onto a page to share with others. Um, so yeah, it matters. I mean, we wouldn't be doing this show. We wouldn't have the games that we love.
1: I, I, th- I, I would agree with that. I think it matters because it helps give us diversity. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and and not—I'm not—you know—that's a that's a that's a hot button word nowadays. But it it gives us a range of options. It gives us choices. It presents stories and situations and characters, right? Because as much as I love the Princess Bride, um, I think I would probably get sick of playing the Princess Bride role play game. Where I am physic.
0: Well, right? you'd get because, sick of it after you died and couldn't play anymore.
1: <laughs> uh, no, I, I think eventually I would be, you know, does anyone want a peanut? And I hoist the sail and I climb the cliffs of insanity and then I fight the man in black. And, right, I mean, if I played the exact same plot uh, yep. for the exact same character game after game after game i mean that's why i don't like playing monopoly or risk because those board games i play the same strategy Very calculated yeah it's the, monop- the only thing that makes monopoly even mildly interesting is you're not really sure how far it's the randomness of the dice it's, how it's, far the dice I is move. the only thing yeah but but my strategy is always to get the corner around, go to jail, right, get the reds and the greens. Um, because those are mo- those are higher penalty at lower cost. Um, and if you get them around the corner, People have to roll high three or four times in a row to avoid paying you,
0: right? It's just it's math. It's it's. Yep. Nope. <laughs> I was gonna say, save it for the math episode.
1: Yep. Yeah, you just do the math, and you're like, that corner is the the most uh, profitable corner on the board. Grab it, yeah. a- and then the game. You know, so it's without that spark of creativity, without that inspiration, um, you're gonna wind up having kind of. The same thing, and that's—I mean—that's why we haven't talked about why games evolve, right? The—the the, we did a little bit of why are there editions of games, um, but that's why, right? That's why we're on Vampire, The Masquerade, Edition Five. That's why we're on Fifth Edition D D. That's why we're yeah. on Second Edition Pathfinder. Because um, people get inspired, and people we'd... get inspired fired and they want something a little bit different, right? And and it's it's actually kind of in, in the case of Pathfinder, at, at the end of Pathfinder one 0, I think there were thirty-eight character classes. Sure. Um, I don't I don't know that for a f- fact, but it was close to that. Yep. Um, a lot. If you get all of the books, right? And that's that's the Vigilante, the horror books, the there were just so many different classes and sub archetypes and that kind of stuff 5e right what what's the new book that just came out xanthars has been out with us for a while oh um, it's the uh, the Icewind dale that's the adventure but there was a new supplement that was like the guide to everything or so-and-so's guide to anything um, i forget what it was it but... might
0: have been a new xanath i don't know i don't i don't it's not Xanathar, i don't pick up different... the books so
1: it's a different person yeah so but that's that's inspiration. That's creativity. That's moving, uh, moving things along. And so it it matters because if you don't innovate, if you don't create, then people have the same. Right. It becomes a board game. You might you might as well hmm. buy the board game version of Ravenloft, sure, and just play, or, or the board uh, game version of of um Tyrants of the Ooh. Underdark. Legend of Drist. Well, yeah. Ty- Tyrants is a little bit different because that's. Well, yeah, the legend. There you go. The Legend of Drist or the the other one, the Asheron, the the, the big square, um, Dungeons and Dragons board games, which are fabulous. They're fun, but there's there's five scenarios, and you play the five scenarios, and then you're done. If you want to play again, you play the five scenarios again. So so this creativity gives us. A lot of extra content to mess around with and play with. Yep. Um, so, where do you get your creativity?
0: Well, so it's uh, we've we've definitely like it's come up several times, right? So it's it's all of the the media that I consume and the way that my brain works, I guess. Um, and that—that's sort of a blanket answer, right? But like we've—we've—we've we've, we've talked before about Lord of the Rings and the Legend of Drizzt and Harry Potter and uh, the Sword in the Stone and the Black Cauldron, and now we've got Fafford and the Grey Mouser, and I—I have all of the Appendix N stuff that I get to read through. Um, so y- yeah, I, you just have to keep—I was gonna say consuming, but I don't think consuming is the right word. But you have to keep an open mind and keep wanting to expand what you do.
1: You and... need to experience the content.
0: Um yeah. At least at least like instead mentally. Of right. Yeah, experience instead of consume. I like that. Um And so I I am pulling some stuff from, from Fafer and the Grey Mouser. And um if we wanna like I don't want to segue just yet um, but our, our next sort of topic will be more mechanical inspiration and I am I ha, have and am and will continue to totally steal from or borrow from other sources for mechanics and encounter ideas. Um, so I guess that's a, like, is it okay to steal from other sources? Well, so so here's,
1: I, I do the same thing, right? I, I look for um, interesting tropes. I look for interesting characters, interesting situations. Um, not all of them, in my case, are from, from fantasy, right? I've actually used... <laughs> You like a you, lot of history stuff. You, you won't believe this, but I've used Seinfeld plots in some of my roleplay games. Nice. No, I, I, I buy that totally. Um, there 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 is some Seinfeld,
0: it, even in the pirate and the painter. There is this. Uh, there is a. You've been. Re- you're uh, the guy who's been rewatching that on the Hulu account, huh?
1: That's me. Yes.
0: <laughs> um, and and so, uh.
1: Where, where do I get it? Yes, I, I like I said, I'm, I'm crashing through um, GoTrek and Felix. I love reading role-play game system rules, right? I have a whole shelf of games I've never played. I probably will never get to play, um, but I, uh, I like doing that as well. Um, the movies, I, I, I will watch. I mean, the Rankin and Bass animated films, The, the Hobbit, The Last Unicorn, um, if you mm. haven't seen the last unicorn cartoon, go see it. That's fine. Uh, it's amazing, that's and okay. Angela Lansbury is the voice of Mommy Fortuna. What I mean, come on. All right, all right. It's it's murder. She no, Road. I
0: mean I know it's good. I just don't. It's not. I'm not a huge just, fan.
1: So right, and and that's a different genre. Um, I will actually. So. My the other thing, where do I go to get inspired? Is I'll read something that I normally wouldn't, right? I bought what did I buy? Oh, um, Mercedes Lackey. So, I, I got introduced to this idea of a romantic fantasy role play game, and I was like, huh, oh, no okay. fighting, and it's like, yeah, not really. No, the you you. You you can there are there are mechanics for fighting, but the the asp the the way the thing unfolds the stories and the plots and the modules and the adventures are more about exploring and building relationships and helping people instead of you know hey I'm gonna kick down the door and put the sword in the goblin and take his crap it's like oh. <laughs> right
0: the the Munchkin and, you know, method
1: right I'm and I'm talking to and I this was at a gen con I was talking to this to this lady um and, and I was like you know I've never I've I've never read that author and she goes there's a, there's a genre there's a genre of uh high fantasy romance and I was like hmm. no what and and she's like yeah so I picked up uh Mercedes Lackey, um, Actually, I picked up one of her books, and I really, really liked it. So I picked up uh, one of her anthologies and read three more of her books. And and that was nothing I would have picked up and read,
0: right? And you get very it's... deep into your inspiration, too. Like, once you started to get really into Drow, it was every book that you could find. And with this well, one, it sounds like, oh, you read it, you loved it, bought the anthology, consumed it I, all, which is good. I, well, it's good.
1: So, I, I mean, I, I like to... I don't like to half ass
0: stuff. You know that. No, absolutely. Right. You can't when you're designing a world and or encounters and or a narrative for other people to be able to experience. So we're back after a little bit of an interruption, thanks to cur- courtesy of Skype. Um, and so you were talking about um, gosh, Miranda margaret mercedes lackey. mercedes lackey yes and,
1: and so I, I guess the i'm gonna wrap that that thought up and basically say try media try genres or look in places that you wouldn't naturally look and and that's kind of a cliche You're like oh try something new um but that's a you a for know, a reason right um, hey, I looked in this cookbook and I saw this thing, and there are these weird ingredients. Hey, that's a quest, right? There find you go. These, yeah, no, absolutely. These five weird ingredients, um, <laughs> and and you, I, I just got inspiration for for uh, for D D out of the Betty Crocker cookbook, right? So I try- I
0: have a quest that is that actually for one of my <laughs> players is go around and collect these things so I can brew a potion. Nice. Um.
1: And then I, the, the next thing I wanted to say was um, go outside. Um, that's the other place where I – so um, mm. reading, inter, intera- experiencing media, and experiencing media that I'm not naturally inclined to experience, that's one place where I get inspiration. Uh, get inspiration in the shower. Oh, yeah. No, shower is a good spot. Shower is a good spot. And then go outside. Yep. Uh, also, walk, yes top hike, of a mountain kayak place. paddling around on a on a kayak um
0: or go for a walk
1: walks are really good sitting on a stone so there's a stone um up behind the pond at your grandparents house where i did most of my D dm dming as a child Ooh. Um, i would just walk up i'd take a walk um uh, before the sunset and i would sit up on my stone with my my spiral bound notebook and just write stuff on the stone um, until it got close to dark. And then I would come back. Um, But yeah, going outside is really good. Getting, getting some sunshine, getting some vitamin D, that kind of stuff. So how do you use, so
0: how do you use your inspiration? Uh, I write, I'm a, I'm a writer. I do sticky notes, things pop up and I'll jot it down. Um, More often than not, it's just a a quick flicker of an idea, and then during a session, or usually at some other inopportune time where I can't flesh it out, all of the pieces will click for me. And I talked about it a little bit back on our uh, homebrewing episode, how world lore is a thing, and if you're homebrewing, once you start... Writing enough world lore, some of your world lore starts to write itself. Where like, oh, 50 years ago this happened, and 45 years ago this happened, so naturally, like, this happened in between them. Uh, and and it's not something that I wrote, but it's just something that emerged from you know between the context of all of the things that I have written. And so a lot of my my current usage of inspiration is how does it fit into my world lore and finding the right time to be able to, to write a little bit, to apply it. Um, Wow. That's a lot. I usually just roll a D eight. I also, I will, I mentioned it. I think, uh, I think way, way back on like episode one or two, when we were still getting audio things worked out. So I don't know that you want to go back and listen to it. Um, But one of the resources that I use is a fantastic little web tool called notebook.ai. Um, and you, you, you know, make the account sign in, and you can create... Uh, the free account lets you create locations, characters, and items, as well as documents. And whatever you create, you can link together by just doing, like, at whatever. So I've got this notebook with over 200 places, over 200 people, and it's all linked together. So Huldek Butterbelly is the chef on a ship called the Sunsail Runner, and he lives in the Sandal Dwarf Mound. And if you look at him, you can click the Sandal Dwarf Mound, and it tells you the other people who I have come up with that live there, and all of this other interactivity. And so if I'm trying to fit something in, or trying to find the right place to apply inspiration, I can click through there. And each of my characters and places and items are linked to the characters and places and items that they associate with. And it forms this very complicated, but ultimately incredibly cool web that is my world. And inspiration is just me sitting up there, my little GM spider spinning more silk out my butt, I guess. Weird analogy, but there we go. Now who's the spider kisser? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so.
1: So I, I spend a lot of time talking to myself. Oh, sure. Um, I do that. And It's not I weird. Just, Shut up. It's just, not weird. It's not weird. <laughs> um, I spend a lot of time in OneNote. So I have OneNote oh, yeah. on my Android tablet, and that's where a lot of stuff gets scratched in. Um, or I just sit down and type on a keyboard um, and, and write that way. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so yeah, that's just how gotta, I use it. Just right. got to get it out, right?
1: Or, or um, I, I call up, I Facebook message one of my one of my buddies on my role play game crew, and I bounce off i ideas off of him. Or, um, once a week, once a week, I'm usually at the bookery in Fairborn, Ohio, and I will. Um, bounce ideas off of Eric. Eric has uh, been instrumental in helping me kind of shape this new campaign. Nice. Um, I think one of the things that's really nice to have, and of course you, you don't have to have this, this isn't a prerequisite, but if you have someone who is a good listener mm. um, to, to bounce ideas off of, that that helps.
0: Yeah, for nice. sure. You and I do that a lot you like way back when when you were came up with the idea for the princess or the painter and the pirate, you laid the whole story out. And that was like, I don't know, over a year, maybe two now ago. Um, yep. and so I, obviously yep. I didn't remember all of the bits of it, but I knew the gist, but you like laid the whole thing out. I said, that sounded awesome. And two years later we're playing the game and you've got oh. a written module for it. And it's, it's awesome. So, uh, I I'm also ch- like, I, I, just, I, I don't have a note, but I keep my phone by my bed when I sleep, obviously. So if you wake up in the middle of the night, have a phone that you can type in the notes on or leave yourself a little pad because inspiration strikes at the oddest of times. Yes. Um, so so is it... We, we've talked a lot about you know borrowing or using from other sources. Is that cool to steal? Is it stealing? So, it's not stealing, so, but
1: so I so yes, I, I have a I have an opinion on this, obviously, um, <laughs> and yes, there is there is just flat out stealing, and that's wrong. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so it...
0: sorry, I'm not talking about plagiarism, but like I've got a character or a player who's playing a character who is essentially a D and D version of Indiana Jones, like hat, okay. crossbow, whip. He is an archaeologist by background, and that's his jam. Sure, but that's it
1: his name's not Indiana. No, it's not. It's Bozeman. It's Bozeman, right? with yes, that's a town in Montana <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, That's but, the best thing because Thornton would say the same thing right. So, but, that's but so it's funny not,
1: that that so that to me doesn't feel. I don't feel that that's stealing, but, um, and, and if you had a D and D fantasy campaign where there was a chest of ultimate power and Bozeman and his girlfriend are trying to get it away from the evil King. I, even though that that's the plot of Raiders of the lost Ark and, and all I've done is, you know, find and replace some things Nazis with evil King or Right. I don't think that that necessarily is stealing. I, th- I, when I think of stealing, it is like the no kidding, um, you know, you're in Mithril Hall and the Bainra family is attacking Mithril Hall. That's our adventure tonight. Go and and that's I mean that's just word for word ripped out of one of Bob's R. A. Salvatore's books. So, right. so, uh,
0: so I the guess point. I guess is that you you're not stealing, right? You're 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 using somebody else that you are building creativity born from the innate generosity of someone else. If you're creating something and putting it out to the public, you are offering that to be used as inspiration for others to do something similar.
1: Sure. Um, and if if you take the idea of a college professor who is also an archaeologist and a, and a, and a brawler um, from Indiana Jones and you make something um, else that's, that's right? your you own build, then, then you are, you're, you're building. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's for me, that's the difference. Um, stealing is I'm going to, run an Indiana Jones game and it's Indiana Jones and you're going for the, the chalice of, you know, the, the, the grail with your dad. Right. Um, right. No, steal
0: is a strong word.
1: No, but, but people do it. Okay. That, and it happens. Um, and when people do it, they kind of make other people feel uncomfortable. And, and, and that's, I guess that's what I'm saying. Listeners, don't feel uncomfortable borrowing tropes, okay? Um, or or taking something that's cliche. Here's the other thing, too. If you borrow—if you always borrow something, um, then you kind of become a cliche, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, I'm going to play a halfling who doesn't really like traveling. Oh, okay. Um what's you know what's interesting about you well that's it you know I, I don't like traveling and and i got roped into going along with this mage and and these these dwarves uh, oh okay um you know you're, you're bilbo baggins nice um but add to it like branch steal from a couple of different things like i'm a i'm a halfling who doesn't really want to go traveling with mages and dwarves um but I tinker with potions or, um, you know, just add something or even to to make it your own. Yeah. To make it your own. Yeah. That, I think that's the thing borrowing and, and embellishing or borrowing and changing or combining ideas. That's really powerful.
0: Um, I mean, that's the basis for collaborative storytelling right there.
1: Right. I mean, you're, you're just, you're, you're doing it on a micro scale with your character's backstory or your character's raison d'etre or your, your story that you're trying to tell or the, the module that you're, even with a module, right?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And we
1: talked about this during the module episode. Like, make it your own, tweak things, change things around. Um,
0: and we talked about on the improv episode, you know, build build from it or create something that other people can build from. Right. Yes, and. Yes, and. <laughs> yes, so, and. Is uh, it okay
1: to steal? No, but it's okay to uh,
0: borrow and borrow utilize, and embellish. Yes. Yeah, it's yes. Yes, and. Yes, uh, and. We can talk about mechanical inspiration. Sure. Um, because I don't want to get too, like, it's, uh, it's fluffy enough that you, you, the royal you, will come up with your own idea of what inspiration is and how you get it and how you use it. Um, and, but, and sometimes it
1: doesn't work. Yes. Okay. Um, I, I'm thinking of, I, I ruined our vampire campaign um, many, many years ago because we were all watching Lost Girl. I was not. You were not, but the rest of us were. And I borrowed the Blood King Bartender idea, right? So a very powerful Fay, because I had just gotten the Changeling book, and I wanted to mess around with a Changeling. Um, and that kind of set some of the players... Me. <laughs> off, right. You, you did not appreciate that. Um, and that's okay. I, 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 I made I don't think the in...
0: inspiration was bad. And, the, and I don't want to say the delivery fit. was bad, but it just didn't. It didn't, no,
1: it didn't fit with, with, with the story that we were all trying to drive towards. So and...
0: it, it was good, but it wasn't something that a third of your players wanted to build off of. So right. it, it just made it, it made it tricky and tense and it ended up, you know, I kind of ended up ruining it but um eh, eh is right, you know? We we move on, we learn We, we had a good time. Source. We had we had we a did. good time it was fun. many it sessions was, was and then
1: the last couple of sessions were like, "Eh, this really isn't great. I'm going to do something that's mechanically possible but really really story-wise foolish or or just anti-party and Right. Yeah, you 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 tried to walk. You, your vampire basically wanted to get away from everything, and instead of risking the werewolves, you what swallowed a bunch of rocks and walked along the bottom and of a
0: walked lake. along the bottom of Lake Champlain to Canada, where I could join the Sabbat.
1: Right. It's like oh, oh, that. I mean, it's an interesting way to solve the problem, um, but every the rest of the party was like, what, it is
0: what, no longer the story you were trying to tell. Right
1: now what do we do? It's like,
0: ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So mechanically, inspiration is is basically the same thing, except you're pulling more specific ideas. And I think, mechanically, I think more video game, board game, other TTRPG. There's not mechanics, well, not necessarily mechanics outlined in a work of fiction. Um, But you can get cool ideas for maybe moves or little things. But I'm talking about uh like pulling unique mechanics from other sources and adapting them to your system so, so so for me a lot of it's 5e um and just like with inspiration it matters cuz you can create something fresh and something that feels original cuz you tweak it a little bit to make it your own and um you get it from all the same places all the the video games or board games or or nature that you observe and you use it in the same way Um, I have done this uh, a couple of times pulling stuff from my time playing World of Warcraft Uh, I did a three episode one shot for, I guess that's a three shot um, for two of my players who were around when uh, a couple others were not and I, they went to a, a lost dwarven brewery, and the spirit of the dwarven brewer who had died there uh, was still trying to brew beer. Although, because he was a spirit and was ghostly, uh, there was some magic to the spirits and the beer. And it created, right from WoW's uh, Pandaren, uh, the Stormstout Brewery Dungeon, Elementals, and it's just water elementals flavored as beer. Ha! Flavored as beer! <laughs> uh, I didn't even try to do that. Um, so that's one. And a more recent example of a mechanical inspiration would be... Uh, and I don't know if any of my party listens to the show. And if they do, they'll get a little like spoiler teaser here. Um, and maybe inspiration to, to listen to the show more in the future. <laughs> but I am using a similar mechanic to... Uh, Corla, the Herald of Twilight from the Blackrock Caverns dungeon from Cataclysm in WoW, where, um, as far as I remember, in the fight, she channeled, at the start of the fight, she would channel these three big purple beams towards these three dragon kin, and if you let them get too charged, they would ascend and turn into this murderous creature that would wipe your party. So you had to have your party stand in the way of the beams um, to stop them from getting powered up. And so I, I'm going to steal the three beams idea, but it's going to have a little bit different of an effect. And of course, I'm going to tweak it all to 5e numbers. Um, but I'm super excited for that fight, because that was a fight that I, I really enjoyed and that I think is mechanically interesting. And especially in 5e, I think other systems... Assist- like, 7c gives you mechanical options for moves and things. Like, in dueling, your maneuvers are sort of laid out mechanically. But in 5e you could be a fighter with the duelist fighting style but all of your attacks are an attack i just you roll the dice that's your attack action so i think drawing mechanical inspiration is a really good idea to tweak the mechanics of the system particularly 5e to do something that is different and unexpected especially for me and my group because i have players who are very familiar with the phb the dmg the monster manual they've read all the stuff If I want to surprise them or throw them off, I have to come up with something original. And over half of my party has played WoW and probably will recognize it. Um, But even then, it's still, okay, how is he implementing this in 5e, and what does that mean? Do I stand in the beam? Do I have to cast a spell? Is it a bonus action? And now it's this fantastic novel experience that came from this tiny little... Oh, I want to do a fight with three purple laser beams.
1: So, so I'm I'm thinking about mechanics, changing mechanics in games, and you you know me, I I'm a polyglot for systems. Like, mm-hmm. I I'm I'm more inclined to change systems or. Play a certain game in a certain system than I am to necessarily want to mess with mechanics.
0: But if you just want a, a tweak and your party is already established and you, you're playing the game, it's a lot harder to switch systems than to do something no, simple no, like that.
1: That's true. The, it's the, a,
0: it's the, a more elegant solution. But the you're right. is the math,
1: right? Making the math work <laughs> and making. Um, because you could, as the DM, have this, this three laser beam fight. Um, and then your paladin has a really shiny shield. And instead of blocking the beam, they decide they're going to reflect the beam back Ooh. at the beam emitter. Now Ooh. what
0: happens? How like, interesting. Oh,
1: hang, hang on. Let me see. Um, if the Ooh. beam is traveling, and you know me, I get into physics and math. Well, so
0: in 5e, right, like the physics of it, I mean, in 7c, the physics of it don't necessarily matter. Like...
1: Well, that's because that's the mechanic, but a, a metagaming 5e player is going to say, that beam's moving at 186,000 miles per second, so... I won't be able to jump in, in front of it as as a bonus action. I'll have to do a full action, and a, it well, just gets so,
0: Well, right. But so, you, so as part of it, right, this was part of like the 5-Minute the Workday episode, too, is that like as the DM, you make it work, right? So right. for the beams, if a paladin or whoever has a shield and shields the beam and is like, I want to reflect it, I could just say it passes through armor and metal and it doesn't reflect. Or I could say, okay, it reflects right back at the, the person... And this beam was—it was dealing one d4 damage around, but adding one d4 to your damage rolls. So now you are gonna, or your the, the the boss is gonna take the damage but get a buff. So the, you know the beam effects still apply. It, it it's yeah. all about it's it's that quick thinking and and figuring it out. But you're right, it is especially for new DMs. That's gonna be a challenge. Is is figuring out the numbers and coming up with the answers to your players very clever solutions because that was a good i hadn't thought of that but i would have on the spot if i needed to and it would have been great and novel and everyone would have laughed and had fun so <laughs> which is
1: that's the first rule right make sure yes. everybody's having fun
0: do you do you ever do you ever do that pull pull mechanical things from anywhere um sometimes
1: right i mean they're there, there. So the wraith, the the black wraith of Countess Elizabeth, who you met last night. Mm-hmm. Um, there there is no mechanical aging. There's no mechanics for an aging spell in seventh C right? That's not a. That's not oh. something that's available to characters.
0: Did you rip uh, it from Willow?
1: I I didn't rip it from Willow. I uh, actually ripped it from a different um uh story i'm trying to think now I, I can see the show in my head It was actually a cartoon i think
0: might have been AJ. an anime
1: but anyway um no i just i it's like this thing is is scary and it's ethereal and it's undead and it's timeless so if you right if uh it's kind of like when the ghosts, when the kid, the ghosts float through the kids in Harry Potter, and they all get the heebie-jeebies. Um, it's like, nope, you don't get heebie-jeebies. You instantly um, age ten years,
0: right? Nice, nice.
1: Or twenty years, or yeah. however, however long you're in contact with this thing is how long you age. Um, yeah. But that's, um, but th- so that's yes, that's technically. Something that's not mechanically in 7th C, uh, but it is. It, there's a chapter on monsters and monster abilities that gives the GM kind of latitude uh, to do things. In fact, that's what makes monsters in 7th C so horrific and frightening, is that um, as long as the GM has danger points, uh, he or she can do all sorts of horrible, rotten things. Uh mm. and it is well within the the letter <laughs> of the the law sure um,
0: that's a good point too, because so in seven c depending on your system, if you're pulling mechanics like this for five e you're you're totally off raw by doing something so raw stands it's r a d it's rules as written um and it is a term that people use when they're trying to describe people or dms or players who really like to stick to the rules and get thrown off when somebody deviates from them. Uh, And so it's probably a session zero topic when you're figuring out what system you want to play. But how much does your party want to adhere to raw? How much do you as the DM want to? Like My party knows that I deviate a lot because I homebrew a lot. Um, And so if you're going to do that, just try to bring it up before you just spring stuff on your players? Because all of a sudden, my three beams are like, oh, is it three disintegrate spells? No. Is it three slow spells? No. Well, what spell is it? Well, it's not a spell. Well, I don't know how to count. I don't know what it does. And now that player's frustrated, and they feel unfair, and you, you don't want that. So I'm glad but, that you brought that up.
1: So so I, I chafe at those players uh, as I because... We'll, I'll circle back to Appendix N, right? Mm-hmm. Conan didn't know what spell was being cast. He just knew that the magician was doing something bad and he was going to end it with his sword, right? Uh, Fafford and the Grey Mouser have have encounters with uh, magicians because in Lankmar, right, black magicians are almost always evil. uh um, mm-hmm. And and there's you know you know you put them to the sword so to speak there's there's kind of um, that that um, that unknown quality and and I think DCC does that really well there's a whole chapter um, or there's several paragraphs preceding kind of monster stats that say like. In this, in in a fantasy realm, right? People aren't gonna jet from town to town to town to town. Um, they're traditionally not gonna move, go more than three miles away from their village. So, the orc, right, is the demon of the forest or uh, the horrid green man, like the 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 mythology and the folklore that that in revolves around an orc. And I mean, how common, you know, I think the only thing that more common monster I could have thrown out is goblin, but right. There's this mm, yep. the vicious green man of the forest or the vicious <laughs> green man of the hill. Right. And it's like, Oh my gosh, the vicious green man of the hill. He He's eaten five of my sheep and he broke the blacksmith's back. Um, one night when the blacksmith tried to stop him from stealing ale from the from the pub it's like oh my god what is this thing and you you (laughs) trundle out up there and the vicious green man of the hill oh it's a two-hit dice orc (laughs) sweet (laughs) 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 right but but it's that that kind of unknown quality i I think that's one of the things we talk about appendix and literature that makes it Unique is that when you read something like the Black Cauldron, right? That there's no that nobody knew what a magic user was. Nobody knew what a fighter was or a rogue or a bard, um, right? And F- Fjordor yeah, his name's Feuder. The the bard right has that harp, and whenever anyone whenever he tells someone holding the harp tells a lie, it breaks a string.
0: Ah, oh, very. Cool. I don't know if you remember that from the book. I, d- or the I book. don't gosh it's but, been a uh, long time
1: but but it's it's stuff like that and that that yes you could make an artifact you could create a magic item of truth detection and but but that's i guess that's that's, that's kind pretty
0: of good makes, right like that's as good as it gets not yeah, I mean, not necessarily but like part of it's like don't fix what isn't broken and part of it is right. inspiration is allowing you to improve something that isn't broken in a positive way
1: right Right. You're, you're not, you're not fixing anything. You are embellishing, you're embiggering, emboldening,
0: innovating, um, creating, innovating.
1: Yeah. yeah, creating, you're doing all those cool things. And just um, that, yeah, that I, I, I bristle at people who are heavy raw um, players. I, I'm not saying I won't play with people like that, but I get frustrated because it, for me, it diminishes the fantasy. Right.
0: Yeah. Right. It's supposed to be a little unknown and uncertain and mystical, right?
1: You know, my character is a two hundred year old dwarf, lawful good dwarven cleric. Right. He prays to Moradin. He walks into this room and he sees a statue with three eyes emitting three beams, and right, he's not going to sit there and go, "Hold on, let me open my book of spells." Which the church prepared for me. Which these are all the spells I can I can cast when I become fifth level. Like when I'm <laughs> a fifth level, it's like no, you know, we don't go around saying I'm a, you know, I've been how long I've been been teaching now.
0: you're no, uh, you're a twentieth level teacher. Like I
1: no, I've been teaching eighteen years. So well, there you go. I'm an eighteenth level professor. No, that don't <laughs> say that. I mean, I'm an associate professor. Um,
0: No, I'm sorry. I'm I'm a fifth-level vice president.
1: Right, no. (laughs) We don't don't use that terminology in the real world, and I guess that's when we talk about um, mechanics and and inspiration. I'm almost the opposite. Like, use your inspiration to help fluff up the raw stuff. So you're not walking into the tavern and go, a beverage for this fifth level cleric, right? Get about be- oh, a fifth level cleric. Ooh, like, do they even call themselves clerics? Like, no, <laughs> reverend, not priest, always. Yeah, medic. I mean, my my last dwarf cleric um, called himself a a combat medic. Nice. When he met the party, they're like, "What are you?" It's like, "I'm the squad's medic." And and then you know some of the characters are a little bit more raw than others, and they're like, "Well, what does that mean? What class are you?" It's like, "I've got no class, unless you want to buy me a beer." And, <laughs> you know, I, I just I, as a player, I get I don't want to say I get bitchy, um, but it it takes away from the game if we start if the characters in characters start talking about game mechanics. Yes. Right? Yep. Yeah, it's
0: um, it's a little meta.
1: It it, it gets a little meta. And, and I like to use my inspirations the things that inspire me especially Appendix N to kind of um, spackle over those rough spots or sand those rough spots down so it's not meta it's fantasy or it's right. sci-fi right so...
0: I think the Alien,
1: the Alien game does that really well as well mm-hmm. right it doesn't it isn't I mean with even with the panic and the panic rolls and the, and the mental horror of it it isn't it isn't as meta as it could be right
0: right so i think so, my oh did you have something else no no i was going i was going to say are you headed for closing thoughts yeah i think so i think my 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 last little bit here is that inspiration is good consume it feel it create within its light and let your work be fuel on the inspiration fire for others to flock to and create from and
1: oh i had to thought
0: <laughs> sorry i wrote mine out so that's well
1: no so so look for so there are third-party products okay um we talked about appendix n experience that that literature it's amazing um mm-hmm. Other games have a, a corollary, right? So if you grab Vampire the Masquerade 5th Edition, there is a references section that talks about Anne Rice and Poppy Z. Bright and Nancy Collins and Interview with, well, that's Anne Rice, Vampire mm-hmm. Diaries, right? They even have Twilight in there. Yeah. And not, not as vampiry as you would expect, but, but
0: you know, if you it, want something different, pull from that. Right. People are familiar with it. It's... And
1: and uh, if you want to experience, so here's the other thing I wanted to say, John, before we before we get out, and I totally spaced on it before. That's okay. Uh, if you want to have that experience, right? You want to have the what does appendix? What was it like to look at appendix N and then play a game? Um, two thoughts, okay. Read mm-hmm. Redwall. Yes, totally. Um, read the Mouse Guard graphic novels, and then go pick up the Mouse Guard role-play game.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. That's an awesome so, little... So I was going to say, what's like a bonus source for inspiration you want to say, but that's a really good one.
1: That, so if you want to just see how it felt, like, hey, this Redwall stuff is cool, and go watch The Secret of Nim. It's a really old um, oh,
0: yeah. oh, movie. Yeah.
1: Um, Freaked me out as a kid, and then go play, right, um, mouse guard, or you could read Mercedes Lackey, and then go pick up the Blue Rolls, Blue Rose, Blue Rose. role play game, um, from Green Ronin, and and that way you could have that experience as well. Now, yes, and I know literature professors are probably going to yell at me and go, all that stuff was written after D and D, so it's been it's compromised. It's like, no, nah, not really. No, it's. We're not yeah. looking for the pure experience. We're looking for, like, what was it like? Like, in, kind in of what? It, was yeah, like.
0: yeah.
1: You know, you want to experience something where this is cool literature. I wonder if there's a game. Hey, look, there's a game, um, and and you'll get, that'll be a lot of fun. So I wanted to throw those two things out there, uh, and then yes, uh, that's that's it. I will close my thoughts.
0: Nice. Uh, so yeah, and uh, so if that is your bonus then i will just add uh, i had a thought earlier in the show and and when we were talking about where you get inspiration from um and i will just mention an anime called mushishi that is about a guy uh who is a a mush well who is a mushishi which is somebody who works with mushi which are spirits um to to solve problems and the presentation of the show is very it's not actiony um, or, or intrigue. there's a little bit of, of mystery or puzzle about how the spirits are interfering within the episode, and then it's a you know conflict resolution. But the storytelling is brilliant, and I, I definitely have pulled some inspiration before from that in terms of how do the unseen forces of my world affect the seen forces. Um, and that can be some really, really cool stuff. So with that, I think that will wrap up the show. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, feel free to comment wherever you listen. Um, if you want to ask a question or chat with us, uh, Twitter is the easiest way at jmskoda5 or at Red Hoodie Games. Um, and if you want to donate to the show or do anything else to help us out, head on over to Patreon.com/skoda. And that's going to do it for this week, and we'll see you next time. Good day, eh?